Bibi Fahodier, welcome to the African Liberation Media Podcast. Media solely focused on the liberation and empowerment of African people. I'm your host, Gullah Jack, aka Russell Swilly. Let's get to it. Bibi Fahodier, this is Gullah Jack here with Brother Amos and Brother Macaroo at the top of the show. We want to talk about what Dr. King described as a rationalization and the incessant search for scapegoats. The doctor was making reference to American aggression, imperialism. The incessant search for scapegoats are but the psychological cataracts that blind us to our sins. One of his many iconic statements, we asked the question, why? As African-Americans, I think we should be skeptical of power, the intentionality, motives, and purposes. We've heard weapons of mass destruction. We've heard rationalizations such as certain leaders being referred to as butchers of Baghdad. We've heard babies being snatched from incubators, sarin gas, the Gulf of Tonkin Resolution, just the history of lies. Our brother Eldridge Cleaver, regardless as to what you may think of him, he had his periods of illumination. <laughs> I can remember him intoning that the lies that have been told to cover up the other lies, but more lies have just grown so high that the American public have forgotten about the original lie when they ran down that line Mm. And people are confused, and you don't have time to sort through all of the BS and the propaganda because we have various tasks to attend to on a daily basis, so we go with the official line. This is the African Liberation Media. We are here to challenge the dominant ideology, the prevailing wisdom, as well as the conventional idea that is put forth by the mainstream media. Here with Brother Macaroo and Brother Amos. Brothers, take it wherever you want to take it. Abibi Fahodier, African family. Bado Mapampano, the struggle continues. And indeed, as we enter uh, what um, the world knows as 2020, which, what year is it, would it be in Kemet, uh, Amos? Uh, 6260. 6260, if we were in... Uh, we were following our brothers and sisters in ancient ancient Kemet. When I search for man in the technique and style of Europe, I only see a successful negation of man, an avalanche of murders. Two centuries ago, a former European colony decided to catch up with Europe. It succeeded so well that the United States became a monster in which the taints, the sickness, and the inhumanity of Europe have grown to appalling dimensions. So said the great Dr. Franz Fanon in The Wretched of the Earth. Dr. Martin Luther King in what I consider to be his most profound speech, why I am opposed to the war in Vietnam, said that the, that the United States of America was the greatest purveyor of violence on the planet Earth. That uh, statement he made in in uh, 1967, uh, approximately uh, just about one year before uh, he was killed, April of 1967, 
uh, two great speeches, one at Riverside Church and one in his pulpit at Ebenezer Baptist Church uh, in Atlanta. Uh, and so, and so, what we see is is, is a continuation of uh, of what of American arrogance and asininity um, regarding the way it behaves in the world. It's it's a, it's truly as as Fanon said, you know, just uh, uh, a monster you know, in which the taints, the sickness, and the inhumanity of Europe have grown to appalling uh, dimensions. This week, Donald Trump, uh, for, for some reason, who knows, maybe at the orders of Bibi Netanyahu, who knows, uh, decided to kill an uh, Iranian general by the name of Qasim Suleimani, and this is this is very interesting because uh, Suleimani is regarded as one of the uh, one of the great military scientists of of this era. Um, his uh, leadership on the battlefield uh, in Iraq and Syria was critical to the defeat of the Islamic State the same Islamic State that the United States was fighting. If this man was, uh, you know, such a terrorist as, as they now claim, they had numerous opportunities while, they, while he was fighting uh, in Iraq and Syria. So the question becomes, why now? Well, two events precipitated, uh, preceded this, I'm sorry, preceded this, one, there was an attack on a base in Iraq in which an American contractor, not, a, not an American s service member, but a contractor uh, working for one of these uh, defense contractors, was killed. That killing of one American was quickly blamed on Iran because Iran is blamed for everything. The oil fields blew up in Saudi Arabia. It was Iran. This happened. It's Iran. It's Iran. It's always Iran. And the United States responded by attacking uh, some paramilitary units in Iraq, killing, I think, about 23 or 24 people. So one American dies, they, they respond, as usual, the, the killing is always disproportionate. And people in Iran responded to that because, obviously, here's a country that really has no sovereignty at all, none. With, with all of the, 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 the uh, external forces that are operating there, particularly the United States, it just feels like they can just bomb people anywhere. The United States and Israel both feel like they can just bomb countries anywhere in the world and get away with it. So uh, a group of uh, protesters dis responded by uh, attempting to enter the U.S. Embassy. Uh, these people were unarmed. All they had was bricks and bottles. Uh the President of the United States, Donald Trump, sent in 100 Marines. And after about two days of protest, uh, you know, they the protest ended. The United States response to the protest was to kill uh, General Suleiman. He is the, uh, the leader of the uh, uh, expeditionary forces 
uh, in Iran, the people who they 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 send out to to uh, help countries uh, that are in uh, in peril, you know, as we've seen in Iraq and in Syria. And uh, apparently, he was riding in a convoy. You know, they they really haven't come totally clean on exactly how it happened, but apparently, he was riding in a convoy, just like Gaddafi was, and a U.S. drone attacked his vehicle. Of course, you know, they have these satellites. They see everything. They can even see through buildings. So, uh, you know, they could send a drone in here on us <laughs> as we sit here. But uh, so this this is what we wrote in on African Liberation Media. The United States, USA equals the United States of addiction to war. So the United States of addiction to war strikes Iran. Where are all of those people who are now saying Trump is different? Anti-military intervention, anti-deep state. They look like fools. President Trump orders the assassination of Iranian General Soleimani, who helped to defeat the Islamic State in Iraq and Syria. So Soleimani was allegedly killed by a U.S. drone right in the convoy at Baghdad Airport. The U.S., as usual, has a Nazi type of rationale for the assassination. General Soleimani was killed or badly wounded. This is Donald Trump talking. Wounded. Uh, he had killed thousands of Americans. General Soleimani has killed thousands of Americans over an extended period of time. Now, first of all, just think about it. If anybody had killed thousands of Americans, this person would have been taken out a long time ago if they could get to him. Uh, and was plotting to kill many more, but got caught. He was directly and indirectly responsible for the death, the death of millions of people, including the recent number of protesters killed in Iran itself, as if they care about protesters who uh, could be agents of, uh, of the tribes of the North Atlantic, who knows who they are. So who was uh, General uh, uh, Soleimani? During the imposed Iraq war on Iran, this is from Press TV, during the imposed Iraq war on Iran, which was launched in 1980 and lasted eight years, costing one million lives, by some estimates, I, I, I'll talk about that a little bit more in just a minute, Soleimani gradually became known as an adept commander leading Iranian troops in numerous battles against the invading uh, Ba'ath regime forces. This, this is the forces of uh, Saddam Hussein, who was playing the fool, fighting Iran for the United States and uh, the NATO powers. Later appointed as the chief of uh, Iran's expeditionary uh, Quds forces, Soleimani gradually became a, a forefront figure in Iran's push to assist regional states and allies counter foreign-backed intervention in the region. As the foreign-backed uh, Al-Qaeda Islamic State outfits reared their heads in recent years, uh, the Iranian, the, the Revolutionary Guard commander, uh, as a key strategist and, geni and an uh, ingenious uh, commander leading Iran's military advisors, assisting Syria and Iraqi troops in battles against terrorists. So he, he, he became a key strategist in this fight against Al-Qaeda and uh, the the Islamic State, and uh, and 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 they and they and they took this man out. So, quite naturally, uh, you know, I took some people to task who were making these kinds of statements. And you know, one of these statements was made uh, on the Black Agenda Report, a, a, a website that uh, 
that we respect because they put out a lot of good information. But on this particular um, uh, instance, uh, we take issue with what they said. And, you know, it's because, you know, we, we're students of Dr. Amos N. Wilson. Amos oh, N. Wilson taught us to practice uh, creative contention. You know, so when we practice creative contention, we're not engaged in personality attacks. We're not assaulting people for any other kinds of reasons, uh, you know, psychologically. It's all based on ideology and it's all operated from the perspective of the liberation and empowerment of African people. So the headline in Barr said, um, Ontario, Trump is the most pro-peace president since JFK. So now this is Dr. Anthony Montero of Temple University, a brilliant scholar, a brilliant scholar, no, no, no question about it. Uh, but he's just off base on this particular instant. That statement, this is what I wrote. So that article was in July of 2018. Keep the date in mind. That statement looks more ridiculous today than when it was written. But more importantly, it shows that the people making such statements were not paying attention to the total scope of Trump's militarism. In Somalia, for example, Trump has been steadily escalating the war. Okay, not only in Somalia, which uh, the United States launched a record number of uh, aerial assaults in Somalia, and, uh, killing uh, civilians in some instances. They had they had 63 attacks in Somalia this year. You, this is a war that's taking place on the African continent by the United States. We nobody's talking about it. It's not even it's not even not even being discussed. Uh, uh, so they launched 63 strikes in 2019. Uh, that outpaced the previous years where the military conducted 47 strikes in 2018. That was Donald Trump. And 35 in 2017. That was Donald Trump. Okay, now, the uh, the war in Somalia uh, was initiated by George W. Bush and Condoleezza Rice. Uh, they hired Ethiopia to attack Somalia uh, and to... Uh, to destroy an organization by the name of the um, Islamic Courts. This this was a very a relatively moderate group of is, of Islamists who had brought some degree of stability uh, to the area of Mogadishu, not to the whole country, but at least to Mogadishu. And Trump and uh, uh, Trump, they all they all the same. Bush and Rice said that this group was uh, was a group of terrorists, jihadists. So they hired Ethiopia and they assisted Ethiopia and they destroyed this organization. The organi the organi an organization rose up to replace them by the name of Al-Shabaab. So you destroy the moderates and now you get some real jihadists and these people promptly uh, link themselves to Al-Qaeda and they've been fighting in Somalia since 2006. This is 2020. 14 years of war started by Bush, continued by Obama and expanded by Trump. So when, when the good doctor, Montero, was, is saying this, Trump is engaged in this war. He is supporting the Zionists, uh, continuing oppression and uh, slaughter of the Palestinians, plus the theft of Palestinian land on the West Bank. Uh, Trump is supporting the rebels who are trying to overthrow um, Hafez el-Assad, and he's supporting the Saudi slaughter of innocent people and civilians in Yemen. And this brother is saying he's the most pro-peace president since JFK. As if JFK was a pro-peace president to begin with. What, what is your model? So 
uh, I just say one final thing about this before we move on because you see a lot of people saying things like, well, what does this what does what Trump is doing in Iran have or Iraq have to do with African people or African liberation? So this gives me an opportunity to tell a story. In 1998, my good brother Gullah Jack had a vision. He wanted to launch a local access cable TV channel. So he took the classes, got certified, and started a pro TV program called The Blacklist. And uh, so he wanted, you know, he asked me, you know, if I would assist him in doing this. Basically, he wanted to just, uh, you know, we, we would discuss things just like we're doing here today on African Liberation Media. The very first program we did on the blacklist on the local access cable channel here in Charlotte in 1998 was done after the terrorist bombings of uh, the U.S. embassies in, in Dar es Salaam and uh, Tanzania and Nairobi, Kenya. Bill Clinton responded to those bombings, which they blamed on Osama bin Laden, by launching a cruise missile attacks in Afghanistan and in Khartoum, Sudan. Okay, so what happened? The terrorist, a terrorist organization, maybe Al-Qaeda, who I don't know, bombed the U.S. embassies in uh, Tanzania and Kenya. A total of uh, 244 people were killed. Of the 244 people killed, only 12 were Americans. So what you had here is terrorists using Africa as a as 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 a war field, as 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 a battleground to attack their enemies with total disregard for African life. Only 12 Americans. Okay, in Nairobi, I'm gonna focus on Nairobi. A total of 213 people have killed, were killed, 12 Americans. Uh, uh, an estimated 200 Kenyan civilians were killed and 4,000 were injured by the blast in the vicinity of the embassy. Uh, the secondary fragmentation from flying glass, uh, internal concrete, block walls, furniture, and fixtures caused most of the embassy casualties. The majority of the Kenyan casualties resulted from the collapse of the adjacent you funded building and flying glass from the nearby co-op bank building and other buildings located within a two or three block radius. Other casualties were pedestrians or motorists in the crowded streets next to the embassy. So the co-op bank building was a 17-story building in Nairobi. Uh, the you funded building was totally destroyed by the blast. So here you have over 200 Kenyans killed, um, and uh, I think there were 12 or 15 Africans killed in, 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 in Tanzania. So you have all of these Africans killed. You have 4,000 uh, injured just in Nairobi alone. And then Clinton responds by dropping, by bombing a uh, factory in Khartoum that he said was a, a bomb factory that was supplying bombs to Osama bin Laden. Well, when the journalists went there, the, the people, first of all, the Sudanese government said this is this is a medical factory. It's a pharmaceutical factory. 
uh, the, the, the purpose of the factory is to produce medicine to fight malaria. And this was confirmed by other uh, journalists. Even Europeans went there and said this was a pharmaceutical factory. So not, so not only do you have, out of the 244 people killed, right, you got uh, uh, 232 Africans killed. You got, you got over 4,000 Africans injured. Now you got Africans dying because the, 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 the malaria medicine is being produced in this factory in Khartoum has been taken out by Bill Clinton. And people want to sit around and say, what does this have to do with us? It has everything to do with us because as, lo as long as these rogue criminal governments can go around the world bombing and killing people at will, at some point it impacts everybody. If you don't think it has any other impact, check the price of the gasoline you bought today compared to last week. I know where I bought gas this morning, it had gone up five cents. If there was actually an all-out war on Iran, <laughs> the price would be astronomical. Most of us don't drive electric cars. So, uh, so I mean, this is, this, is why, this is why we report on things like this because everything in the world is ultimately connected one way or another, and we are African-centered holistic thinkers. Ashe. Uh, suffice it to say, brother, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And an attack in the Sudan on Fallujah resembles closely an attack in Ferguson, St. Louis, or wherever you have African people. You know, Malcolm told us chickens coming home to roost. We're talking about the relationship, okay, in terms of an international policy mirrors the relationship with a domestic policy. We talk about uh, white supremacy being a worldwide uh, dynamic. But another point you made, every atrocity committed by the Germans was justified under the pretext of protecting German lives. But the thing I'm also struck by is our inability to really scaffold ideology or synthesize. It was Jamil Abdul El Amin in an interview many years ago who told us that the system was based on the military industrial complex. So it does not make any difference who the leadership is. We're gonna have the same paradigm. Yet, when we look at this, we know that white people lie. And when we look throughout history, we know that they will create a narrative for warfare and they will legitimize the crimes that they commit. Looking at this situation, there was a statement that was released after Soleimani was killed. And I can't remember who made the statement. I have to go back and look it up. But they said that we will protect our people and our interests in regards to American people and American interests. Their interests is what they care about. They don't give a damn about people dying. Never. Unless it's, you know, if it's somebody of higher rank, then yeah, they'll go in and, and extract revenge. But unless the military is attacked or somebody in the government is killed, when it comes to civilians, if that civilian is not related to somebody that's important, they don't care about that person's life. So... The real key to Soleimani being killed is protecting American interests. That's what the Europeans were over there doing. 
Now, when we talk about creating a narrative, they staged a protest the same way that, you know, they got bulls in Libya to go into Libya and infiltrate and, and cause uh, corruption and uh, confusion over there. Mm-hmm. They staged this this fake protest because the Iraqi people have been protesting for days prior to this false protest that took place at the U.S. Embassy where they say they came in and, and caused an invasion, and then they blamed it on Iran. Now, I don't know how you, as a serious government, can look at a protest and then turn out, t- turn around and say that we're going to extract revenge on these people, on this government, because of some civilians protesting. I don't know how you can tie the two together. And this is in a totally different country. This is this is not a U.S. embassy in Iran. Exactly. This is a U.S. embassy in Baghdad. Exactly. A totally different country. But you blame it on the Iranian government. And you use that. Now, Trump came out and said that Iran will pay a severe price for any Americans that are killed or anything that happens to the U.S. Embassy. And then days later, we get this airstrike where they are killing this general, General Soleimani. This is a repeated playbook of Ronald Reagan. Just the fallacy of preemptive war based on your perception of a country's intentionality. You have no empirical or tangible evidence you know, to support your claims. This changes the whole concept of war. But to be honest with you, you know, our, this uh, Billary, this Hillary Clinton, consistently was a saber rattler when it came to Iran. She spoke in terms of obliterating uh, Iran on numerous occasions. In fact, uh, waging war with Russia. Yeah, you know, it, it, yeah. here's the interesting thing. Uh, so, the people who were protesting at the U.S. Embassy supposedly protested because the U.S. had uh, had killed uh, 23 or 24 uh, people uh, doing a bombing in in uh, in Iraq in retaliation for the one American that was killed. And like and like uh, Brother almost said, you know, very well, these people could have been agent provocateurs. They were not armed, right? <laughs> they. They caused a minimal amount of damage. No, no American in the inside the embassy compound was harmed or hurt or anything. Nothing. So the the the, the very next day, because you know Trump just sent out a tweet. It was like, okay, I ain't worried about this. The very next day, Democratic politicians and mouthpieces, like uh, this uh, Negro Joy Reid, that's on MSNBC. They started saying, uh, they, uh, she and this uh, Senator uh, Murphy from Connecticut started saying that the Baghdad embassy incident was Trump's Benghazi. Now, we remember the incident that took place in Benghazi where uh, there was, a, there was a, supposedly a protest at the embassy, Benghazi, Libya, and then there was an attack which resulted in the death 
of uh, the American ambassador, Stevens, along with, I think, four other Americans, two of whom were former uh, Navy SEALs or something to that effect. Now, these people were in Benghazi because what they were doing, they were taking weapons from Libya and sending them to the rebels in Syria. And, of course, the Obama administration, I think this took place in 2016, maybe 2015. I can't remember the exact year now. The the Obama administration responded by, like, saying, oh, it's Hillary Clinton's fault and, and no, it's Obama's fault. So they just passed the buck around, and then they sent Susan Rice out to look like a fool trying to rationalize it. So, so all of these Democrat mouthpieces started trying to imply that this situation where there was actual, there was an actual loss of American life and the Republicans lambasted Obama for not doing anything, supposedly not doing anything. Uh, so they said that Trump is just like, he, he didn't do anything when the U.S. Embassy was attacked in Baghdad. There's, there's no comparison between the two. Trump is like, sort of like in, in a chill mode. And then all of a sudden, boom, the next day, he kills this general. And, I, and the, go the, ahead. the thing that I wanted to bring up was, yeah, go ahead. was that in, uh, in 87, there was, there was gunfire exchange between the U.S. Navy or naval forces and uh, the Iranian gunboats. And the, the Iranian military shot down this U.S. Navy-guided missile boat, and it killed 37 Americans. So this is a war that's going on between Iran and Iraq, and then the U.S. is over there, and they're also fighting against Iran, so Iran is responding militarily. Well, the U.S. response to that was the following year, in, in 88, Ronald Reagan and the U.S. government shot down an Iranian commercial airline, Iran Air Flight 655. They killed 290 civilians. Now, these are people that are flying on this flight. Some of these people on the flight weren't even from Iran. So you got some people coming from India. You got... There were 10 passengers from India, 13 passengers from the United Arab Emirates, six passengers from Pakistan, six from Yugoslavia, one from Italy, and 238 Iranian passengers on board. This shows you the level that these people are willing to go to when it comes to revenge. You're talking about a government that killed 3,000 of its own people to start another war in the Middle East. Yeah, I'm talking about 9-11. But they purposefully did a demolition on the World Trade Center. Those three buildings, no way those buildings could be dropped by a plane hitting the side of the building. That was a planned demolition, and it was an act to justify the war that was going to take place. Just like this act. So you have Donald Trump who's going up for re-election in 2020. And one thing that everybody knows is that when a country is starting a war or going into war, it's very unlikely that the president is going to be replaced during that time period. So this is an act of war. And Donald Trump made a statement saying that he did this to prevent a war. No. Iran is going to respond to this and the first response really should be to attack Israel. 
the whole purpose for them trying to take over the Middle East has always been for two reasons. To extract the resources, of course, that's the primary reason, and to protect and empower Israel in that region. Israel has always had confrontation with Iran, and the United States government has confrontations with Iran because of their alliance with Israel. That's the whole reason for the destabilization of Syria, the takeover of Iraq, the stabilization of Libya. All of these countries are surrounding countries of Israel. And this is really, these are a, a, a battle between people who have been fighting really for a very long time. They've been trying to win this war for a very long time. And I'm not just talking about 30 or 40 years. This is really a 2,000-year war. So I think that, you know, when you look at this, you got to see the deception that's being used. And then the way that they try to portray Soleimani as if he's a, you know, it's funny how people, especially white people, can legitimize these crimes. They'll call Soleimani a killer, saying he killed thousands of Americans. <laughs> we know that Obama killed thousands of Africans. <laughs> we know that Donald Trump has already killed thousands of people since he's been in office in only four years. Exactly. So there's no difference between General Soleimani and Donald Trump or Obama or any other U.S. president. Well, you the know, brother talked yeah. about JFK. Do we not remember the Bay of Pigs? It happened on JFK's watch, the invasion of Cuba. Exactly. Ronald Reagan invaded countless countries. Grenada. Grenada. All of these countries that they went in and killed thousands of people. Yeah, Panama. So these people are, I mean, they're the biggest killers on the on on the planet. Yeah, it goes back to what Doc said, the greatest prevail mm -hmm. of, of violence. You know, the thing of it is, I, I think the, 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 the Iranians are very shrewd. In, uh, in 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 the way they in in the way they respond to things, um, but the, the the unfortunate thing to me is, uh, and 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 I think I think they have every every right, you know, uh, you know, to to defend themselves and 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 to retaliate. My my only issue with retaliation is that it never seems to strike the people that that deserve it. You know, it's always, uh, you know, somebody else. Let me let me give you an example. Uh, when uh, Pan Am one hundred three went down, um, what year was it? Can't remember what year it was. Now, well, Pan, there 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 was a bum, the bump the bombing of Pan Am one hundred three and and Libya Libya was was uh, was blamed for for the uh, for the downing of, of of Pan Am one hundred three. Um. Uh, but the U.S. intelligence community, the deep state, said it was a very, very, very well-coordinated Iranian operation, and it was, it was retaliation for the downing of Iran Air 655. But the people on Pan Am 103 they were just people on a plane. They weren't, you know. There might have been some soldiers on there. They might. I don't know. I can't. I don't know who was on there. But the people who are actually pulling the strings, uh, 
right? The, 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 the people who are behind the curtain. Those are people that need to be attacked. Those are the people who really need to be attacked. And it's always like, okay, so, I mean, you know, I almost could have been on the plane, come back from Africa, mm-hmm. right? And so this, 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 is, this, this is what happens when, when, you know, when, when you have an unequal balance of, uh, of power in the world. The, the Iranians will at retaliate. You know, one, one of the things that, 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 you know, every, everybody is uh, talking about what, you know, what, what a horrible person this, uh, you know, Soleimani was as, and whatnot. And like I said, if this man had killed thousands of Americans, believe me, <laughs> there's no way that he wouldn't have been attacked a long time ago. But the United States history of trying to control Iran it, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a long and, and, and sordid uh, barbarian history, you know, going back to the uh, CIA overthrow of Mossadegh uh, in, in 1953, democratically elected. Uh, the Iranians are Persians. They're not, they're, they're, they're not Arabs. And, you know, the Persians, of, of course, uh, did great damage, you know, to, uh, to you know, the, the, the last vestiges of, of, of ancient Kemet, the Persians under, under Cambyses I and Cambyses II. Uh, but the, um, in, 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 in 1980, you, you remember, the, okay, uh, people probably don't remember, the, uh, after Mosaddegh after was overthrown, the United States in, installed the Shah mm-hmm. of Iran to, uh, to govern the country and to allow Iran to be used, uh, the oil fields to be used as, uh, you know, for, for the, you know, Americans, the British, and, 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 and whomever, as long as he got his kickbacks. And so he was, he was, a, he was a brutal dictator. He was overthrown uh, by uh, forces loyal to the uh, Ayatollah Khomeini, and then this led to the uh, the takeover of the American embassy uh, in Tehran uh, right before uh, in in 1980 it, during the presidential campaign between Ronald Reagan and Jimmy Carter. Okay, Reagan comes to office. He wins the election. Suddenly, Saddam Hussein, playing the fool, and it, it seemed like he was always playing the fool, he launches a war against Iran. The war lasts eight years. Eight years. I'm going to read just something from it. Uh, by some estimates, a million people were killed. But some people have lower estimates, some people have high. One, one estimate I read said there was six... 100,000 Iraqis killed and there were 750,000 Iranians killed. Some estimates have 500 million on each side. Think about those are staggering numbers of people killed. Hussein was supported from day one by the U.S. government. Okay, this is, this is from The Guardian in 2002. U.S. support for Baghdad during the Iran-Iraq war 
as a bulwark against Shiite militancy has been well known for some time, but using declassified government documents, the Washington Post provided new details yesterday about Donald Rumsfeld's role and the extent of the Reagan administration's knowledge of the use of chemical weapons. The U.S. provided less military equipment to Iraq than the British or, the, or Germans, but it did allow the export of biological agents, including anthrax, vital ingredients for chemical weapons and cluster bombs sold by a CIA front organization in Chile, the report says. The, the Reagan administration was determined to not allow Iran to win that war. So they turned a blind eye to Saddam Hussein using uh, chemical weapons. Now, this, this uh, Rick Fancona, an ex-Army Intelligence Lieutenant Colonel who served in the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad in 1987 and 88, said, We believe the Iraqis were using mustard gas all throughout the war, but that was not as sinister as nerve gas. They started using a nerve gas early as early as 83 or 84, but in a very limited way. They were probably figuring out how to use it. And in 1988, they developed sarin. Okay. On November 1st, 1983, the Secretary of State George Shultz was passed an intelligence report of, about the almost daily use of chemical weapons by Iraq. However, 25 days later, Ronald Reagan signed a secret order instructing the administration to do whatever was necessary and legal, BS, legal, I mean, you had to put that in quotation marks to prevent Iraq losing the war. In December, uh, Reagan hired Donald Rumsfeld to serve as a Middle East tr troubleshooter. Rumsfeld flew to uh, Baghdad, met Saddam Hussein, and passed on the U.S. willingness to help his regime and to re restore full diplomatic relations. So here, here's the United States. Uh, let me let me see, read one, one more thing because this is interesting. A 1994 congressional inquiry, inquiry found that uh, dozens of biological agents, including various strains of anthrax, had been shipped to Iraq by U.S. companies under license from the Commerce Department. Furthermore, in 1988, the Dow Chemical Company sold $1.5 million worth of pesticides to Iraq despite suspicions they would be used for chemical warfare. So the, the net result of this is by some estimates, by some estimates, between 250,000 and 750,000 Iranians were killed directly as a result of the United States supporting Saddam Hussein in this war and providing him with chemical weapons. These were the same weapons that George Bush turns around a few years later and says in 2003 and says, Oh, he has weapons of mass destruction. Where did he get them from if he had them? Now, the weapons that he had were actually destroyed. They destroyed them. <laughs> but here you have the United States Congress admitting that the United States supplied Hussein with chemical weapons to use against the Iranians. I'm telling you, the Iranians have a litany of reasons mm -hmm. to make the chickens come home to roost if they could just target that roosting, if they could just target that roosting. But I'm just saying that's the whole, that's the whole history. And, but the gullible American body politic, 
people that you run into in uh, various places when you sit down to eat, they all caught up into this, the propaganda, you know, just like the propaganda that, 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 that came out of the Third Reich. Well, I mean, the people, the people are going to believe whatever the media reports. Most people, 90% of the people, then you have 10% of the people who actually think, critically think and use their brains. But I want to shift the focus to the continent. It was a particular story that came out this week uh, that really speaks to everything we talk about in regards to these race traders amongst us. The president of the MDC, <clears throat> Nelson Chamisa, it came out in the WikiLeaks report that back in 2007, Nelson Chamisa made pleas to United States Ambassador Christopher Dell for the U.S. government to send their special forces to invade Zimbabwe and remove the ZANU-PF government, as well as sanction the Reserve Bank of Zimbabwe. Now, if you're not familiar with the political parties in Zimbabwe, you have ZANU-PF and then you have the MDC, which is the Movement for Democratic Change. Mm -hmm. The MDC is the party that the U.S. supports and hopes will take power over ZANU-PF. Yeah, and MDC was being led at the time by Morgan Shangarai, but I think they split into two factions, and maybe Chamisa was the, the head of one of those factions, but you are correct regarding the MDC. So what happened was they were asked specifically what can the U.S. do to help them take power, and Chamisa's response was to bring in U.S. Special Forces invade the country, overthrow the ZANU-PF government, and also sanction the Zimbabwe Reserve Bank. Now, this is what you call true race trader behavior put on full display, and it doesn't get any clearer. When you have someone that is a citizen of your country Pretty much committed treason. What would the United States government do mm. to a U.S. citizen who was caught trying to get Russia or China to invade the U.S. and overthrow the current United States president or the current United States government regime? He'd be put on trial and given the death penalty. Given the death penalty. So with that being said, it's Negroes like this who deserve to be executed. They deserve to be arrested. They deserve to be executed, and and they deserve to be made an example of to the fullest extent so that other people who have this same type of mentality will know that there's consequences that will take place for treason against your own people. Right. And this exactly. happens across the African continent in various countries. Many African leaders have been overthrown and killed and assassinated because there was some Negro conspirator working with the United States government or working with the CIA or working with the United States military. Exactly, exactly. We remember that uh, when, um, when Robert Mugabe was uh, forced to resign, uh, you know, there was, there was an, that was in November, there was an election that uh, the following July, I think uh, July, was it, 2018, the election, and uh, uh, Emerson uh, Manigagua won he, his his main 
uh, opponent was Nelson uh, Chamisa. And uh, Chamisa, leading up to the election, traveled to the United States. And uh, he met with uh, several U.S. senators. Um, at some point, uh, perhaps before he came or right after he came, Jeff Flake and Cory Booker held a, a hearing on Zimbabwe uh, that didn't have any balance at all. It had uh, representatives of the opposition and, and, and other uh, people who favored the sanctions. But one of the things that Shemisa did while he was here he met with, with members of the Reagan administration and he asked them to keep the sanctions in place. Now he came, he came before, the sanctions have to be renewed, I believe it is every February or every March, I cannot remember. Uh, they've been renewed every year uh, since what, 2001, starting with Bush and then Obama and, and Trump. But he came over here and specifically asked that the sanctions, which are causing tremendous economic pain and difficulty, poverty in Zimbabwe. Here's a man asking, here's a man asking that a country keep the sanctions on his country that's causing his own people to suffer so that he can get elected. And, of course, he was at the same time, no doubt, saying, you know, as soon as I get in office, I bend over and grab my ankles and, you know, you can raw dog me. No doubt. You can, you can go over and you, you can take Zimbabwe has a lot of, of minerals uh, beneath its soil that, that have not even uh, been extracted yet. You know, so it, 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 it produces a lot, of, a lot of valuable minerals now. But so, you know, it's, uh, you know, this, this is how, when Ian Smith, the white supremacist Ian Smith, one of the things that he tried to get uh, the United States and Great Britain to do, he told them that Zimbabwe sits in the middle of what's called the Persian Gulf of Strategic Minerals. There are certain strategic minerals like uh, titanium and platinum and other things that are chromium, cobalt, that are used in the, uh, particularly in the defense industry. And so... Uh, and so, you know, yeah, race trader, uh, no doubt, uh, par excellence. But uh, I, I, I don't expect that ZANOPF is really going to do anything, uh, you know, regarding that because they're trying to, uh, you know, put on a face that, you know, that they are whatever. But it doesn't matter what they do. The United States is going to continue continue to try to cripple that country until ZANU-PF is overthrown. Well, I think they need to do the same thing that the Europeans do. They legitimize their crimes. This wouldn't be a crime, of course. This would be injustice. But I think that they should legally uh, lock this brother up. They should, he should be arrested for treason on the country. And he should, be, he should go before a jury, and he should be given a sentence. Now, whether that sentence is time in prison or whether that sentence is death, that's justifiable, yeah. Because of because of the documentation of him trying to get uh, another country to overthrow the president, the current president. Right. Yeah. I mean that that he went in, and uh, I don't know if Robert Mugabe said that, but Robert Mugabe was thinking about supporting Chamisa in the election against Manigagua because uh, 
you know, they spoiled Grace Mugabe's uh, plan to become the president of the country. I know we run out of time. I just want to mention two quick things. One, uh, uh, yesterday there was a funeral. There was a con- the conclusion of a very sad week. Uh, the killing of 13-year-old Aviana Probst at a mall near Charlotte, the Concord Mills Mall. Uh, two young black males, one age 18 and one age 15, have been arrested and charged with murder and felony riot. Apparently what happened, and we see this time and time and time and time and time again, uh, two uh, young black males got in a fight inside the mall. One of the, uh, the, the, the black males that, that was in the fight fled when he saw, uh, a 16-year-old fled when he saw the 18-year-old, apparently the 18-year-old, I don't know if it was the 18-year-old or the 15-year-old, uh, that they arrested, pull out a gun. So he he was running through the parking lot. Uh, one of these guys, and apparently there was only one shooter, but I'm, I'm not sure, either the 15-year-old or the 18-year-old, saw the guy that they had been in a fight with. Now, what, what was the fight over? Something stupid, no doubt. You know, th- these things used to be a fist fight, but, I mean, we really wouldn't even have fist fights unless it was something pretty darn serious. Uh they saw the guy running through the crowd. Aviana and her three sisters, or two of her sisters, three, I think it's three of them, had called their mother to come and pick them up. They had gotten some money for Christmas and had gone shopping to buy some shoes. They were walking through the lot. And the uh, these guys saw the guy that they'd been in a fight with and they started shooting. They hit this 13-year-old beautiful young sister, killing her and wounding two other 16-year-olds. Now, this happened just a few hours after her 31-year-old cousin was gunned down in the streets of Concord. So here's a family that lost a 31-year-old and a 13-year-old within a matter of hours. Uh, They were hunting for a 16-year-old for killing the 31-year-old. They found him in Connecticut. All of this is black-on-black violence, the psychodynamics of black self-annihilation in service of white domination. And it continues unabated because we have not recognized that we are in a state of emergency and that this is as much of a crisis as anything we've ever faced in this country, but we haven't rallied against it. So they had the funeral for this beautiful young 13-year-old yesterday, and who knows you know, when the tyranny of stray bullets will strike again. Uh, that was a sad note, but I did have a very positive note. We, we finished another very successful seven-day celebration of Kwanzaa here where we got, you know, Kwanzaa is, is, is criticized. Some of the criticism is legitimate, but in Charlotte, we use Kwanzaa to showcase organizations that are putting in hard work, trying to actually work on problems in our community, organizations like the Males Place you know, for example, we try to showcase organizations, the Nation of Islam, you know, the Associate Society for years, they were on board. Uh, this year we had a chance to uh, bring in uh, the League of Intelligence, Brother uh, Marifa's organization, uh, Africans United, the, the Jazar family. We, we, we uh, Tyrone Jefferson and the Sign of the Times, they, they're getting ready to do their uh, history series. 
we try to showcase organizations that are putting in work. And uh, I had a I had a very, 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 very uplifting moment at Kwanzaa this year. I mean, there were many uplifting moments, but one of the most uplifting moments was that uh, the League of Intelligence gave a community service award uh, to Sister Sankofa and the brother uh, Tiafo for building, uh, putting institutions, putting spaces together that allowed us to educate and celebrate ourselves. And uh, so Sister Sankofa, as many people know, uh, one of the stalwart warrior sisters we had on our programs when we first started. Uh, she's been suffering some uh, illnesses, uh, some serious health issues uh, over the years, over the last couple of years. But she she came to the program. Uh, she was in, she looked beautiful. She's a beautiful sister. She she spoke well. She seemed to be on the road to recovery. And for me personally, that was a very uplifting moment to see our sister, you know, out, out at Kwanzaa and hopefully um, you know, she'll be able to, uh, to get back active again. I mean, she's with us obviously spiritually. And so that, that was a great moment, uh, for me at, uh, Kwanzaa 2019. Uh, Shay, this is the African liberation media two points. We all swim in the same cultural water, black, white, polka dot and stripe at one point. Second point, as it relates to race traitors, no instrument of power is clear is more effective than taking a man to the mountaintop and showing him the kingdom below. We're indebted to the brothers, our most and brother Macaroo. This is the African Liberation Media of BB48. 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 Power or the lack of power. I want to repeat this. Power or the lack of power. If your education in this institution is not about gaining real power, not job, because your jobs do not represent power. Not getting elected, that does not represent power either. You are buying your houses and fine clothes, does not represent power either. If it is not about real power, you are being miseducated and misled, and you will die educated and misled. If your study of black history is merely an exercise in feeling good about yourself, then you will die feeling good. The study of history then must be more than the pumping up of your self-esteem and the pumping up of your pride. Those things are important, but ultimately those things are not the means by which we will save ourselves as people in this world. 